Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At bluenile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. You are listening to Scoop Radio. What's going on? I hope wherever you're listening from, you and your loved ones are safe during this COVID-19 period. Hey, this is the producer of Scoopy Radio, DJ Manuel. I would just like to take the time out to give a big thanks for the listeners to the pod. We did record numbers last month. So on behalf of Scoopy and myself, thank you for the four years of supporting Brandon on his media journey. If you have a few minutes to spare, please fill out a short listener survey. Go to scoopyradio.com slash poll. You can also share your opinions about the show so we know what works and what we can do better. That's scoopbradio.com slash poll. S-C-O-O-P, the letter B, R-A-D-I-O dot com slash P-O-L-L. Don't worry if you didn't catch any of that. The link will be in the description. You're listening to Scoopy Radio with Brandon Robinson. E.K. Manny. Manny. L. Scoopy Radio. You know what's official if Barry Bond said, yo, the best in the business. That's word of Scoop. You either tuning in or reading the word from Scoop. He give you the business. He show you the proof. If Scoop B said, you know it's the truth. Sports and entertainment. He give you the mix. Some of the biggest interviews. He give you the fix. On iTunes, the number one podcast. The Jordan, the journalist. The GOAT, so why ask? Watch out. Watch out. about it? If he naming them, Scoopy.com, do numbers like Chamberlain. Pin game is a gift, got the gift to gab. If he say it is gospel, it's as simple as that. Now pay attention and you can see the way it go. Enough of this talking. This is Scoopy Radio. You're listening to Scoopy Radio. Get on his Instagram now. At Follow Scoop him. B. At Scoopy, Follow him. Yes, sir. Scoopy Radio. Oh my Airways, God. On the plane. On the train. Everywhere you need to be. I am Brandon Scoopy Robinson. Make sure to follow me on Twitter at Scoop B. Instagram and Snapchat at Scoop underscore B. And make sure most importantly that you subscribe to the Scoop B Radio Podcast, which is available on all streaming platforms, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, TuneIn App, Stitcher App, Spotify, iHeartRadio, or simply by visiting ScoopBRadio.com. 2.1 million streams in 2019 and 2020 is only going up because on the line right now is a newsmaker himself, 
none other than Ryan Hollins, uh, one half of the Seven Footers Opinionated Podcast with Brendan Haywood, as well as the guy that appears on a multitude of TV networks talking about basketball. Ryan, first and foremost, thank you for joining me today on the podcast. Yeah, no problem, brother. You, you know that, man. It was nothing but a thing, man. I, I understand the grind. <laughs> yes, sir. It's it's funny, man. I, you and I are the same age, and I remember hearing about you um, through a friend of mine. So, story time. Uh, a buddy of mine, I literally just got off the phone with her before I called you. Uh, my friend Jamila, when we were in college, she ran track at, U- at USC. She ran track with your cousin, Karl Lynn. Wow. And so I was hearing about this Ryan Hollins guy, Ryan Hollins guy. I'm like, yo, who is Ryan Hollins? Then I turned TV, I saw this Tyler's cousin. <laughs> wow, that's, that's, yo, that's wild, man. Hey, it's a small, it's a small world, Scoop. <laughs> Too damn small. Small world. Too damn small. The 50th overall pick in the 2006 uh, NBA draft, Ryan Holland, joins us on the line by, the, by way of the Charlotte Bobcats. Um, played in the league for a while. You played for the Mavericks, the Timberwolves, the Cavs, the Celtics, and more. Um, the Clippers, the Kings, the Wizards. You've been everywhere. Nice quick move. Up top. Collins on a smash from Parker. And Denver not communicating. Nene gets caught in, in the no man's land and gets the hammer thrown down on him. Take the first open shot. Alley-oop. Wow. Ryan Hollins flying high. The next thing Kevin would have to work on is his ability to distribute. That's a nasty little pick and roll of Hollins hammering it down. They do pretty well when they go out in the road. The lob, the jam from Willie Green to Ryan Hollins. And the bench is going crazy. But I remember, um, just cut to chase, I remember you kind of having a viral moment uh, when you criticized Shaq, Max Kellerman, and Stephen A. on first take uh, for their arguments, and you, when Shaq walked off the show because you said that Kobe Bryant and Michael Jordan would have never been able to fill LeBron James' shoes. Oh, you said, you said uh, uh, LeBron James, the greatest player ever? Ever. What about Michael and Kobe? So you just gonna pass Kobe up like that? I'm gonna I'm I'm pass Kobe up. I'm gonna look at Michael. I'm gonna look at the. <laughs> I'm gonna look oh, at. Oh, I know it. I know it. Patron America. Yo, yo. Patron America. You. Kobe you. Bryant couldn't fill, or Michael Jordan fill LeBron's shoes. The impact that he's had with different teammates, would different organizations. Mad, would you be mad at me if I just walked off the you show? You can't leave. Hey, are you aware that this man that has tripled type. and doubled Michael Jordan in assists? Assists make other players better now. I'm going to say one thing to you. And Max, I don't know the numbers like you do. Michael Jordan is what in the finals? Six and what? Oh. And what is LeBron in the finals? That's all I got to say. Curious to know from your perspective, do you still stand by that assessment? Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, and, and, and the offense was the people get all up in arms where they say, it's not saying they're not great. It's not saying that Michael isn't great and definitely deserving in many, many minds of being the greatest basketball player ever, that Kobe Bryant wasn't great. We know we love Kobe, man. And, and, and since that moment, you know, his passing, that that, that hurts, that hurts. Um, but it's more so because of not just LeBron's scoring ability, but his playmaking ability. You put LeBron on a stinky team, he takes them to the NBA Finals, okay? <laughs> when you put Kobe on a stinky team, he gets infuriated, he wants to score, 
he's gonna try to do it all himself. Okay, he's gonna put that that Superman across his chest. He's gonna put his cape on and he's gonna jump into action. Michael is gonna do the same. The one thing we learned in the Last Dance documentary is that you know Michael didn't really have a tolerance for his teammates not being up to par. I have personal experiences with Michael, uh, not just as a player, uh, but as an owner. Where he, you know we were on the Bobcast and he's like, "Hey guys, we'll guard this guy, a guy like this, guard this guy like this, and." You know, run the play as quarterback, and it's like, Michael, we're not the 97 Bulls. <laughs> it doesn't work that simply. So uh, LeBron has, has done more uh, with less, in my opinion. Hats off to Michael. Hats off to Kobe. Uh, but I, I definitely stand by those words. I, I don't see that Cavaliers team in which LeBron drug to the finals. Um, I, I don't see Michael with the same accomplishment. Michael and Kobe would die trying, and you, you credit them for that. But LeBron has a way. Of, of of thinking his way through the game in, in different ways through his playing style. He's the, he's going to get the most out of everybody on the team. Two-part question, then, um, because obviously you played for the Bobcats, uh, Michael, the team Michael owned. You're from the Los Angeles metropolitan area. You played for the Clippers. You played against Kobe. You also played against LeBron. You also played for the Cavs. A lot of dynamics there. Two-part question. If Michael or if Kobe is the closest thing to Michael, who is LeBron James more like? Is it Magic Johnson, Scottie Pippen, or someone else? Definitely uh, Scottie Pippen. And what's, what's intriguing with uh, LeBron James, LeBron's Batman and Robin. Like, like, like Scottie was Robin, okay? We saw that when he went, went and played in Portland. But from playing against LeBron James, I've seen moments where LeBron was in playmaker mode. He didn't quite, you know, before he grew into his own, he kind of questioned taking that last shot. And then we saw LeBron James grow into a player that demanded the last shot that would make sure uh, that he took over. Uh, I, I'm, listen, I'm not going to give no spoilers, but we had, I saw you had Perk on, we had Perk on. And Perk <laughs> even tells a story where, you know, LeBron pretty much demands the basketball to end the game out. So LeBron grew into this guy that, you know, kind of question how to be effective in games, you know, the pressure of being LeBron James and ultimately owning the moment. And, and in my mind, you know, growing to being the greatest basketball player of all time, you know. So um, for me, that's that's the big difference. He was, he was Batman. And he was also Robin. He'll pass to Kyrie for a last second shot or hit Kyle Corver. You know what I'm saying? Something that Michael Jordan told you himself on the last dance. Like, who's taking the last shot? Me. <laughs> Nobody else. You um, talked about the Bobcats, and I know that you hear rumblings like from Steven Jackson and other guys about, um, you know, Michael Jordan during their time, you know, him being an owner and players coming in. Did you as a player ever see Michael come out of the owner's box and practice, put on sweats, and actually play with those guys or play against those guys in Bobcats practice? Yeah, I, man, I, I actually got kicked off because Michael didn't want to be guarded by the big guy, man. I might have, I might have, I might have put Michael on the on the IR, man, with some with some elbows and some fouls. So hey, I was playing back then, uh, but you know he set up, I think, about two or three times where he played some one on one. They closed the gym off, and it was him, Gerald Wallace, Raymond Felton, and a couple of those other guys, and they just kind of played like a game of ones or a game of knockout. And uh, you know everything that I watched before. It, it kind of went went out uh, went all the way dark. Is Michael plays by his own rules? You know he's the okay. OG of OGs, and he hates losing. So there is no such thing as a foul um, from his standpoint. 
And when he's guarding you, he's gonna call his foul. So so he's he's every old guy at the pickup game, man. And uh that that's kinda how it went down. But, you know, you gotta have respect for Michael because even to this day, I can even imagine, man, if if you're playing a no dribble limit or one dribble, man, he's gonna be able to get his shot off over anybody because Michael's skill level, his footwork is it's so impeccable. They talk about the most skilled of all time. You think Larry Bird in today's NBA, you talk Luka Doncic. When you go back and watch Michael, oh, he was so, he was so, so sound, that Dean Smith footwork. What was Michael and Gerald Wallace like in a one-on-one game? Because Gerald Wallace, to me, watching him in Brooklyn more more recently, defensively, guys like Carmelo Anthony had fits against Gerald Wallace. What were those those days in Charlotte like against Gerald Wallace in a one-on-one Oh, man, I, I didn't get the exact intimacies of it, but, you know, g Dub was an, a, a definite uh, an elite defender. And, sure. you know, Scoop Michael Michael prided himself on playing against guys like that. So, you know, Gerald, obviously, his athleticism was, shi- was shining through, but, um, you know, Michael, Michael still had the ability to get his shot off. And, you know, it's funny, like, when you watch the last dance, like, people underestimate, they don't really pay attention, like, how detail-oriented Michael was. Mm-hmm. So playing against a guy like a Gerald Wallace, he would be looking down and say, okay, er- Gerald's left hand is down. So I'm going to attack his right foot because there's no way he can get back. His, his, his body weight is shifting this way. Or every time, every time I hesitate, because Gerald likes to reach a lot, you know, Gerald's going to reach and I'm ripping through for the foul. So, you know, Michael, Michael studied guys to another level. It wasn't just go out and score. He was thinking the game to a level that, he doesn't get credit for because you you see the the dunks you see the hang time you know the, mm-hmm. the story play against Sam Perkins where he goes up with one hand and fades with the other you we think Air Jordan we don't think Air Footwork and Michael was on another level with that yeah those Washington Wizards days at forty Michael Jordan was was like Penny Hardaway light with the footwork and the fadeaway yes yes and he, and think about it Michael had to use all IQ. Yeah. It was all it was all because he couldn't he couldn't Scoop beat you. He didn't have the same first set. It was all IQ at that moment in the game. So yeah, the, the, man, it just the, the fact that he was able to achieve the numbers that he had at that age, it shouldn't have been happening. Happening because you know we'll see what LeBron looks like by that time. I'm thinking he, he's def, I think with today's um, you know medicine and what kind of what he does and the sports therapy, LeBron would be playing physically physically at a higher level. Uh, but I mean, Michael. I mean, he—that—that's he, a feat, man. That's a feat. That's an Iron Man. Tell me something. Um, you—we talked about UCLA at the beginning. Um, Kobe Bryant, from what I understand, um, had many of workouts uh, working out with guys at UCLA um, when he was a Laker. Was he still coming around UCLA at that point when you were there? No, he didn't. He didn't. He didn't have the opportunity to dip in. And you gotta think, Kobe at that time. If I'm if I'm not mistaken, the, the eras. I'm trying to think how good that that made. I'm not sure if that was playoff Kobe or that was Kobe in, in, in between. But you know, he didn't dip in. The one story I have of Kobe, um, and I missed it. He came down and played against the guys in the Drew League mm-hmm. before we we swapped locations, and he kind of shut the gym down. And like, Kobe's so competitive. And his, like, you know, like Kobe, LeBron, and Mike, like their ears are always to the streets. They know exactly what's going on. You know, LeBron popped up there, UCLA and hooped, obviously. But 
Kobe is the guy that knew the Drew League was coming on and then waited and then set up his own time. He had to go down there and show Harden and, and Westbrook and, and all those boys, all the L.A. Hoopers, like, hey, nah, I'm the guy in Los Angeles. He couldn't just own the NBA. Like, he had to have the Drew League, too. And that was just Kobe's mindset. But I was too young. I missed the Magic Johnson runs where, you know, Magic's cheating everybody in the gym and, you know, finding ways to win. Yeah, man. I, you know, I did, I only started going at, coming in back and forth from LA about two years ago. And, you know, for me, knowing New York and knowing um, Rucker Park, West Fork, Eichmann League, and more, uh, hearing the Drew League. Um, in Los Angeles and what that represents from, for many of Los Angeles ball players, it takes me back Scoop to my day. You know, seeing people play at Gaucho's gym, seeing people doing all those things. When you talk about LA hoops, um, I guess my question is how much of a respect did you have to New York City in the same breath that people on the, on the East Coast respected LA and the bowlers that came, you know, in, in that era? Like, what did you guys learn about New York City when it comes to street ball? Man, man, I, I, look, bro, I grew up in an era where, you know, beyond basketball, like culture-wise, like we thought we were from New York. Like <laughs> we were we were rocking Timberlands, listening to Cannabis, like like Wu-Tang Clan. Like we really thought we were from, like the swag was more so like put your Tims on in your bubble jacket and it's 70 degrees outside. <laughs> like you wanted to be, I swear to God, bro, like you wanted to be from New York. That was, the thing, because we grew, I grew up on on Jay Z and all like like New York owned the rap market. Like once Pop died, it was it was New York rap, and obviously like basketball wise, we we would watch the and what mixtape, and it was all you know always a beef that L A and New York who, but there was the utmost respect for New York basketball because you knew how raw Rucker Park was, and it. You know, of every hooper, I haven't had a chance to do it yet. You know, hope maybe you know we'll we'll figure something out. I'll go down there, but you know, going down and playing in those Rucker teams, and one of the biggest things I remember is when Baron, young Baron Davis, mm. put together a squad. He brought some LA hoopers out, and they went to New York, and it was like darn near like war, like like it was like a real fight, like. We used to really believe, like, in the East Coast. Like, I used to walk around throwing up West Side, like, in pictures. <laughs> like, the East Coast, West Coast beef was, like, really a thing. Like, we felt like, dude, nobody's fighting you because you live from New York. Like, this is not, like, like realistic. But, like, for the culture, like, the culture was really going at it. So, I I just remember it was good time. But I remember just Baron went on. He just went to war. Like, it, it, like he went to war. It was a lot of trash talk. It was. It, it, it those were fun times, man. You mentioned uh, that you had Kendrick Perkins on, on your podcast. You guys, I believe, were teammates in Boston in 2012. No, I actually didn't play with Perk. Me and Perk actually really didn't like each other the majority of our time in the NBA. <laughs> and we, Why? <laughs> okay, so around the league, Perk, we always looked at him as like, like, because he would trash talk you or call you out your name or say something wild. So it was like guys loved to hate on him because he was the enforcer on the team. Okay. And he took a lot of attention because people were like, oh, Perk, you're not that good, but you're the one starting fights. You're the one getting into stuff. And, like, Perk was a big dude, so no one really wants to fight Perk. So when you put yourself out there the way he did, 
like he was trying cats, but he was talking crazy. And like, I remember we were playing each other in OKC, and um, you know, like big man as a big man, it's how do I explain it, bro? It's two grizzly bears, two two silverbacks staring each other in the face, and before they even fight, it's a stare down. That's what it's like in the post. Like you going for a rebound. Get your hands off me. Here's an elbow. Uh, if you do, if the big man don't elbow you back, you own him all game long. Like it's very primal down there. And Perk goes to like punk me one time. He like get your hands off me. And we're playing defense, and he didn't. Say, he said it a little more explicit than that. He's like get your hands off me. And I put my hands back on him even more. He's like get your hands off me. I'm gonna ask you. <laughs> you <know? laughs> I put my hands on even more. And then like. He saw, like, all right, like, we just got to fight, bro. Like, go ahead. Like, whatever. And, you know, he, he chilled out. He's like, you know what, Ryan? Like, you good with me. Whatever, you know? And then, like, we finally – I always respected Perk, but it was just, like, it was basketball. Like, we left it on there. And then, you know, after we just sat and talked um, since we retired, it was like, hey, bro, like, I've always had respect for your game. But I know from after playing with KG, I understood where Perk was coming from. I knew what it was, like. Perk was the bad boy, like, and his mindset was like, let me go scrap with these dudes, fight with these dudes, get our team the physical edge, and now Ray Allen is free. Now Kevin Garnett is free. Kevin Garnett didn't have to worry about nothing as long as Perk was there. Perk was going to fight whoever else. Like, as long as he was there, Perk was taking on the lead, and Paul was free. So after playing that role, watching what he's done, we just have nothing but respect for each other. So I think it's really dope to come around full circle with that, you know? Does it bother you when people on the internet will make statements about you guys shouldn't have a voice because you weren't the star on your team? Does that bother you? Scoop B Radio. Dang, Scoop, you really, you really know brother's heart, man. You know I want, you know I want to talk. So let me, all right, let me lay that this out. You want to say it in per, is it pertains to Perk or myself or just in general? You can do both and okay. in general. The floor okay, is yours. Okay. okay. Okay, it it makes it drives me crazy because for one, Perk is more accomplished than myself. He's got hardware. He's played with LeBron. He's played with KD. He's competed against the best. He was the only guy in the league that was guarding Dwight Howard straight up in his prime. That brother, he he's made his name in the league. But two, just because a lot of people will never live a day in a seven foot of shoes, they think all seven. They these idiots. Excuse, I don't want to call them idiots. These people who don't know basketball, they feel like if it's not if you're not crossing over and shooting a three or making a highlight, you know, that guy's not a good basketball player. So like like in a, in an era, you know, we grew up school, you watched the annual mixtape and you thought that guy was better than Michael Jordan. Like right. that's how people think. Like like I love Speedy, but Speedy's not better than Michael Jordan. And I Speedy is bone collector. We're from the same town. So that's family right, right there. But like like a kid at and at home is going, Bone Collector's better than Michael Jordan. Like, no. That's not the, that's not it because they're watching highlights. So I come around full circle for myself and broadcasting. Let me give you my mindset, which irritates me when someone says I'm not qualified to broadcast. I played ten years in the association. Half my time in the association, I understood that I wanted to jump into broadcasting. I did a, a, a took a class with the NBA. I got the itch. Since then, I worked in radio. And had to claw my way through radio while playing under the tutelage of Matt Kellerman, Marcellus Wiley, and the ESPN stations. 
I was not good at it. A player is not good at doing radio because as a player, I don't want to give out inside information. When you do radio, you want inside information mm-hmm. and you have to learn how to speak well. Grinded that out. Asked for every single opportunity while I did it. And my approach was never that I was this NBA all-star. My approach was that I had to learn a craft that I didn't know. And I bring that up, Scoop, to say that I put in my 10,000 hours into learning this craft. And if anybody's ever sat through uh, doing a four-hour radio show, you have to understand what that's like. I would go, I would work out. Let's say I, I, I was privileged to host radio for a day, right? I will work out at 6 a.m. in the weight room. By 7, 8, and 9, I will go and get on the court for two hours. Then I will run to my house, get changed, sprint down to downtown L.A., do radio for four straight hours. So I've been grinding before this opportunity. I've never looked at the media business of I'm entitled to be there because I figured no one is going to care too much about Ryan Hollins, the former center who played for the Clippers for too long. I always figured I had to really know what I was doing and establish Ryan Hollins. Hmm. Not to mention, let's say, a day at ESPN. So let's say we go at ESPN. I may have a show where I have – let's say I go from 6 a.m. To, to 1 p.m. of appearances, right? After that 6 a.m. to 1 p.m. appearances, I'm emailing every single boss I have and people I haven't met. I'm networking. So let's say I have another meeting from 1 p.m. until 5. Then I'm covering the playoffs, in which as I'm covering the playoffs, you stay up till 1 or 2 a.m. because you're on the East Coast watching playoff games. I've got a 6.30 hit on SportsCenter the very next morning. Not a lot of people are willing to go out and do that grind. Yes, I appreciate that playing in the NBA got me in the door, but as far as grinding out, fine-tuning my craft, having to work at what I've done, for anybody to tell me I'm not qualified to go out and speak is complete ignorance. And then, now let's come around full circle. I actually played the game for 10 years. So you'd rather hear from a guy who couldn't make his junior varsity team than actually hear somebody who played against LeBron, played against Kobe, played against these guys, has a scouting report and is and is and is, you know, earned some level of respect on that on in the court. So I never saw myself that I would come in and say, Hey, you know, I'm I'm Shaquille O'Neal. Listen to what I taught because I, I had a three peat or whatever in the NBA. That's never been my angle, man. My angle has always been I work my tail off to earn my seat at the table and I continue to work just like anybody else. So when you see those guys that are all stars, it's not me. NBA All-Stars, Hall of Famers, that's not me. When you see those guys, Stephen A. Smith and Max Kellermans, that's not me. I'm somewhere in that middle spot. And the funny thing is I'm, I'm a lot closer to being the common man than the, than, the, than the guy who's absolutely untouchable. So hopefully that makes sense. And, and as far as Perk, man, like, it, it's ridiculous, man. That brother is working, man. He is absolutely committed and working. There's no accident that he's having the success he's had. And obviously we know his connections in the league. I, I I I hope this is an inbound question, a fair question. I did ask Perk this, and he 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 actually apologized and discussed it. When is going too far going too far? Was the bird comment about Kyrie too far? I talk, I you know it's funny, man. I, I got so much love from Perk. Me and me and him, we called and we talked about it, and I think I believe it was too far. 
and he and I and I gave him a perspective to say, and we both talked about that. I love the way he expressed himself. I said, Perk, because of that comment, your whole message of what we, you want to push, and as African Americans who've grown up in impoverished areas and, and in the inner city, the things that we're trying to change were deflecting away from the original message. Yeah. And even though Kyrie may be going about things the right way, whether we agree or don't agree, maybe Park is going to, maybe, you know, I don't think there, there is no right answer in this, but I know one thing we feel very strong about prejudice, racism, police brutality. We feel strong about like, damn, bro, like, why do I feel different walking down the street? Why am I always second guessing if I'm going to be pulled over if I'm wrong? Why am I already feeling like I'm wrong when I'm not wrong? Like, that hurts. So we all feel the same way. So I challenge Perk to say it was never about the the content of what you said and how you said the bird comment became bigger than the issue. But I understand his frustrations, and I'm like, that's a that's a conversation for you and Kyrie another day. But you know, I man, I, I, look, I, my brother didn't even know his plot. I tried to let he had to know, like, man, you are in a pivotal position right now to speak out. You know, you're in an amazing spot to go Scoop speak Radio. out and. You know, even for myself, I went through it where I didn't realize the platform I was on doing Sunday radio at three o'clock in the afternoon is a lot different than stepping on the national uh, podium. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. So the things that you say run a little different, even though it's the way we've always spoken. You know what I'm saying? And people appreciate us for, well, people may not always appreciate us. People ask you to keep it 100 and speak to them the way you speak. What, what they always want to say, Scoop, tell me what happens in the locker room. I want locker room talk. Tell me what's in the locker room. And when you get the locker room talk, you get some unfiltered and, and just honest and candid emotion. People can't handle, handle it. You know? Yeah, so, then they mad. Then they mad. Then they mad. But if, but if he said, well, I think if he went up there all polished and politically correct, so to speak, well, I don't even know what politically correct means in 2020. But if he went up there like that, they were like, wow, Perk not keeping it real. Like, you know, I'm going to deflect and it's not my place to speak on Kyrie. Like, nah, he told you he thought it was some nonsense. <laughs> you right. know? You know? And, um, you know, I appreciate my brother's challenge because he, he apologized for it. And he was like, I see how I can go out of context, you know? But he felt very passionate that he thought the things that Kyrie were doing were counterproductive, you know, um, to, to what he did. But I thought it took a big man to to apologize and even kind of extend it to Kevin Durant also, you know. Yeah, yeah, I, I think you're right. And I, think I also think the fact that many people are home right now, it draws attention to anything that's being said. Like we always knew that 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 Perk was was opinionated. We always knew Perk was how he was, but Perk introduced himself to a whole new audience because of what's going on in the world right now. Yes, and I think that that moment for him was what he said about Kyrie was the same seminal moment for him that it was for you when Shaq walked off the set. Do you see a comparison? Similar in a sense when, well, when Shaq walked off the set, I don't think that hurt me. I think it raised attention. But I didn't realize how much attention. So at that point, you could kind of sit back and chill. 
Now you get to the point where everybody's gunning for you. The eyes are on you. And that's why in my mindset, I could have just sat back and chilled. You know what I'm saying? I don't mind speaking the truth, but I think I could have, I could have toned it down at that point. With Perk, it just instantly flared up the wrong attention because people had started to realize, get imprinted in their minds that ESPN is not putting on other talent and they're sticking with the people who are under contract. And Perk was literally the media. Skip Bayless, Stephen Ace, they're all blowing Perk's phone up the top to talk to him. You know what I'm saying? And I feel like it was an obligation for me because I saw what I went through that I could tell him to reel it back a little bit. He doesn't have to be just be completely, you know what I'm saying? He's always been honest, but I feel like you could tell it back because people are seeing the wrong message. And I know Perk is a great guy. People are seeing the wrong message. Like, like Scoop, like, you know me, bro. Like, you understand the media. You're like, nah, Ryan is a good, solid dude. But a lot of people just see some of the clickbait behind Ryan Hollins and they assume, ah, he's some jerk. He's this opinionated guy. He's whatever it may be. You know what I'm saying? So when I got that, I could have showed humble Ryan Hollins, who I've been from day one. I just, I hate that I have to always reintroduce myself. But the reality was you're reintroducing yourself when you hit the media to that standpoint, if that makes sense. So now you got to remind people, I am humble. I had to work my tail off at the things that I have. No, I don't think I'm an all-star. Yes, I'm, I, I came from nothing. You know what I'm saying? My dad worked the nine to five, you know, got up at five. And we're like, you have to reintroduce that guy, which a lot of people miss. And I'm glad that Perk went on. And, man, he, he made himself vulnerable. And people aren't getting the wrong perception of him, you know. So I think that's the biggest part. But you're going to have trolls. You're going to have haters. That's just part of the deal. I'm dealing with it now, brother. I get it. It's, um, <laughs> it's the circle of life. And I think the original trolls were the people who were sitting and, 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 and mucking you from the free throw line. What's the craziest thing that anybody has ever said to you why you should free throw at the free throw line? When I'm at the free throw line, from a fan's perspective or like, like another player? From a fan's perspective. I never really heard it from a fan's perspective. I would tune it out. But I was in Cleveland one time, and I was on the bench. And this dude literally across from the bench held up a sign and was like, yo, like, we hate that guy. Or, like, get him out of Cleveland, something, like, specific. Yo, like, he just – he grinded my gears. And a dude, like, you know certain fans, you look at them like they're, they're mocking you. And then you look at him, and it's like, oh, snap, this dude is looking at me, and he's seven feet, right? Yeah. And, and he, they'll stop. They'll stop like, oh, we were just mocking. Like, like, you look, you, like you're, you're squawking at a, at a monkey in the zoo or, or, or the lion mm-hmm. or the chimpanzee. Like, ah, like, you know what I'm saying? Like, like oh, hold on. He can get out the cage. Whoa. <laughs> so I look yeah. at, bruh, facts. So I look at these dudes across the bench, and they're holding the sign up, and they kind of like, like, like getting buck with me a little bit, like kind of mad dogging, like yeah, you, you like getting crazy. So I, I, bro, it got to the point I had to tell security guard, like man, get these dudes out. And I forget what it extent it was like. He's a bum, or he say he's got to go. He's it's whatever it was. It was just direct, and they weren't backing off because it's like, bro, like you taking it a step too far. And if I go fade you right now, out of emotion, out of frustration, because I'm angry. You're gonna be the one crying wolf, or it's gonna be a, it's gonna be an issue. Like imagine me going to your job and talking about, you know, like hey, the the patty wasn't flipped well, or you know, hey, the, the, you know, whatever it was. Hey man, this guy missed the spot on the steering wheel and demand you get fired. Like, yeah. like you know what I'm saying? <laughs> like, 
Yeah. Like this was a that that was the thing. So I can't remember exactly what it said, but but these these dudes put together the time to put a a sign up. You know what I'm saying? And to me, it wasn't like this wasn't on a road game. This was on a road. This was like in our own arena, which is supposed to be a safe place. That got me. Ryan, tell me something. You played with the Cleveland Cavaliers. Uh, you wore J.R. Smith's old number five, by the way, from 2010 to 2012. Um, Kyrie Irving was drafted by the Cavs in 2011. So I would imagine you guys spent, what, one season together, one and a half season together? Yeah, one and a half, yep, yep. Um, what was he like for you as a teammate? Man, Kyrie is a great dude. He's humble, down to earth, cool. B Radio. Um, if if anything more, like you know, what's funny, like of all the guys on our team, he hung out with Luke Herringody the most. <laughs> and, and Luke was the Notre Dame guy. Some sort of ACC connection was there, but like that was like his. Like Kyrie's not big on going with the norm or trying to be cool or popular. He doesn't mind being outside the box, but like. Cool, down to earth, south like great dude, man. So I think Kyrie's trying to come into his own. He wants the respect that he deserves. LeBron can cast a shadow, and LeBron has a lot of maturing to do, as we all have. You know, you got to think these are twenty four, twenty five, twenty six year old guys casting a big spot. So to me, I, I looked at hey, the content, you know, the 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 intentions behind your heart and who you are versus you trying to stun on somebody at 25 years old because you really don't know any better. Um, but I, I think that the way those two butted heads kind of left a bad imprint on Kyrie. It was bad business. It wasn't, there were some things that LeBron did that, you know, Kyrie learned some poor leadership from LeBron, some of the stuff that he did. Um, and I think Kyrie tried to come into his own in, in a different way, you know, but very smart, very intelligent, you know, really soft-spoken. Um, and, and trying to find out how to be a leader. I don't think Kyrie is a natural leader. You know, some guys are like, you know, you see the kid at the, the seven-year-old AU game where he's just putting all the kids in the right spot and he's thinking of everybody, like, picks up the mm-hmm. track. Like, that's not Kyrie to me, but that's something that he's trying to grow and learn and, 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 and do. And I think he's handled a couple of situations wrong. I think he, he – I don't think he's lied with anything. Some of the things he said, others in the world, is flat, jokingly. Um, but I think – um Speaking out in the media, I think that's a, that's a, that's a tightrope of a situation to walk when you talk about your teammates. So I think some of those things he'll admit he probably wants to reel back. Tell me something. When I look at Kyrie and I look at Kobe, I see a lot of similarities, not for the ones that people may think. They won early. Most guys, when they go on championship teams, like you look at Paul Pierce, he won towards the later, the later part of his career. Um, you know, Shaq didn't win right away when he was in Orlando. He won with Kobe. Um, when you look at Kyrie, do you think that it gets lost in translation when people try to figure him out? The pot, I guess the process that he won early, he's trying to get that next run going in, and he was still growing even when he hit that big shot against the Warriors. Like, do you think that gets lost in translation when you look at the makeup of Kyrie Irving as a basketball player? Well, what gets lost in translation is that we've seen Steph Curry. We've seen LeBron James. We've seen, you know, uh, Kobe Bryant, right? Mm-hmm. And we're very quick to say we want the other Steph. Oh, Kyrie's better than Steph. 
Kyrie hit the dagger. Kyrie's more important than LeBron. You know what I'm saying? Because we love his game. So you jump to put him in there, but it's like, whoa, look at the leader that Steph is behind the scenes. Or even when, when, when I compare it to Kevin Durant. I love KD. KD had one simple job, score the basketball in Golden State. And you had people actually saying that Kevin Durant was better than LeBron James. Mm-hmm. What are you smoking and what planet are you on? I love KD's game. He ain't, he ain't even the same ball. I don't want to say not in the same ballpark, but they're different tiers. There's, there's levels. two different things. Yeah, yeah. He's the level right under. He's the level until he proves, and maybe him and Kyrie can go prove something special, and I'd love to see it. But until he proves that he can go get his championship or he can lead a team, his playing style doesn't – like, to me, KD fits more in the Michael Jordan or the Kobe Bryant category, and that doesn't win you championships anymore. You got to play, make, and score, if that makes sense. So, so tell me something. Just scoring ain't enough. If you say that KD is not in that LeBron James discussion, is Kawhi Leonard in that LeBron James discussion? Well, all right. Kawhi is intriguing. You want to know why? Why? Kawhi can actually guard. He can actually guard uh, LeBron. But at a time when he won it, he beat a hobbled Warriors team. So we can't quite grade and say, whoa, you did something LeBron couldn't do because there was no KD. Heck, there was no Klay Thompson. And these guys were a little bit older. So, shoot, Igni was hobbled. For I mean, they were the walking wounded, honestly. So it's hard to cast uh, uh, um, cast him into those, put him in those shoes. It was a lot of opportunity. It was a lot of timing. But to me, if you talk about, like, the hottest year in basketball, like, he's up there with, like, the hot – like, yo, if you took one year, like – and it was so crazy, Scoop, and was so intriguing. Kawhi Leonard, that run you can only compare to Michael, Kobe, and Hakeem. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, the numbers mm-hmm. he put up, it was unreal. And he absolutely led his team. And intriguingly, at the time that he did it, he and KD, through the playoffs, and obviously we didn't see it, they were both the best players on the planet at that time. Mm-hmm. KD was stepping into a place. So what's very sad is that we can't really properly evaluate either of those two because KD got hurt, and then Kawhi, plays against the Hobble Warriors. So all you have to go on is say, well, show me the next year. But if you go on the track record of before that, you can't quite put him in that conversation yet. And that's where you appreciate LeBron and his longevity. No, he, he only won three out of the nine finals, but you've had enough of a sample size to see the guy keeps coming back and consistency absolutely means something. Right, you know your response is going to hit the blog, right? <laughs> <laughs> I just let you know uh, <laughs> this is going to hit but I think it's a, it's a, it's a it is a hey school hey, I'm going to keep that? 100 with you you asked me about that one conversation real quick the reason that that conversation with me and Shaq blew up we hit three decades of basketball broke down we hit so many in, in, in like less than two minutes we hit so many different hot topics that it was unreal and not to mention, you wouldn't be all upset if it wasn't true or people didn't feel truth behind it. So whether you agree with me or not, 
people looked at it and go like, dang, he kind of has a point by what he's saying. I might not agree, but you don't, you don't get fired up. It ain't no like, dang, he kind of right. Like, <laughs> that, and that's the thing is, you can't, here's the thing. You're a center shack as a center. Scoop B Radio. You guys, not, not respective of your positions and where you play, but to have a conversation about generational basketball in two minutes, for somebody who's 14 years old now, they weren't allowed to see um, Nick Anderson miss those free throws against the Um Just like you can't discuss basketball with them, irrespective of Shaq and yourself, just like you can't discuss basketball with anybody, you can't eat everybody's tuna fish and power drinks. There's just certain things you can't do. Um, so when you talk about generational basketball, like the fact that you brought up the point about, um, you know, hobbled, Clay Thompson or, or a, a hobbled, you know, Warriors team at large and KD not playing. Um, to me, it, it's two things. One, um, it's the question that I think people are going to be asking in the next 10 years. So what if? Um, if, right. if, 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 if Kyrie and Kevin Love weren't hurt in 2015, would the Cavs have beaten the Warriors? Because here's the thing. LeBron's moment was when he returned back to Cleveland. Nobody was expecting the Warriors to be that good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely, bro. And think, th- th- here's, like, here's where life hits you and life is just real weird. I believe that first championship, I completely agree, that was LeBron's to win. And Golden State was just too young. That wasn't their year. And then the year that LeBron beat the, the, the 70 or whatever plus win Warriors team, that was the Warriors' year to win. That way was so, yeah, right. <laughs> the like the irony there. That's to me. That's just like the question. And I had Kenny Smith on Scooby Radio. We discussed this. Um, you know, if if Michael hadn't retired, would the Rockets still have won those two championships? You know, people say, well, the Bulls could have won eight straight championships. You know, what's a team that good? You know, and I think that's disrespectful to Houston because a team was that good. But he also had a great supporting cast. He had Robert Orr. He had Patrick. He had Mara. He had Olick Storm. You know, he had all of guys. You and I are the same age. So we both watched it. Yep. People just go off of the fandom of the Bulls. That, and, 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 and to even piggyback off what you're saying, Isaiah Thomas never gets his credit. Because Isaiah Thomas never played sexy basketball in which the league could push to the average fan. Mm-hmm. Michael Jordan was easy to sell. But mm-hmm. if you go back and look at Isaiah's accomplishment, the competition he played against, and you and you keep we keep going, everybody goes, Michael had to beat the bad boy pistons. He had to be like, yo, we'll credit the bad boy pistons properly. They never and it and it wasn't until I really watched the last dance and I heard some things Isaiah said it's like, yo, if Michael's the greatest and he put pause on Michael, pause on it, and Michael finally beats them and they're older, they're hobbled, why are we not crediting those dudes the right way? Hmm. Because I just think 90s basketball was, 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 you know how you talked about how you were in LA and everybody wanted to wear bubble jackets and wear chains and <laughs> yeah, yeah. The Bulls were that epitome in basketball. The the, the the baton was handed to the Bulls when the Bulls beat the Pistons finally in the Eastern Conference Finals in 91. That's why. Facts. Facts. 
right. No, it just, I, I, it wasn't sexy, but I, I, I gotta, you know, I think I had to tip my hat to Isaiah a little more, man. Cause Mike, no, that's not, like, that's not, we act like Michael was just garbage when he was beating him. Like, Michael wasn't no pushover. Like, like, Michael wasn't a bum. Like, like, it was, he, they were still beating Michael Jordan. And I know what it's like to compose a game plan for a guy, go out and execute and watch it work. They didn't respect him the same. And you know what's funny, Scoop? Speaking about respect, when Paul Pierce talks about LeBron James, I think he goes he goes a little overboard. Paul went overboard saying he's not a top five player, clearly. Mm-hmm. But there's also a level where I know Paul Pierce. I played with Paul. And Paul saw, we saw a lot of LeBron's weaknesses. And Paul was also a guy who gave LeBron 30 in certain situations or moved on or, or came out the East and, like, got his share or his wins against the LeBron James. You know what I'm saying? What were LeBron's weaknesses then? Until he became king, when we were up 3-2 and he came into Boston and, and, and little kids had F LeBron t-shirts on and the crowd was so savvy and that was our championship to walk away with. Until then, LeBron was seen as soft. We thought he wouldn't show up in fourth quarters. Uh, we thought he was he he wasn't he wasn't a real dude, and that when things got tight, like he wouldn't be able to go out and make plays. Mm-hmm. And and if Paul and if Paul Pierce could stay out of foul trouble, Paul was just as good at creating his own shot and hitting clutch moments. And we've seen clutch Paul Pierce, clutch Paul Pierce outshine a Kobe Bryant. People fail to realize Paul Pierce. You can maybe argue that Paul was the best player on the planet. For, for that year, for that time being. You know what I'm saying? So, Paul's really looked over because obviously he had so many mediocre years until Kevin Garnett and those guys got there. But if Paul Pierce wants to argue and say, as soon as I got the proper supporting pass, you saw what my numbers were and you saw what I did. You know? So maybe if that's a three-peat by Paul Celtics, it's a different conversation, but he doesn't. He's legitimate. I understand that he doesn't have the same respect for LeBron James. I think he goes overboard, but he doesn't. View, I know Paul. He doesn't have the same respect. The same way Isaiah Thomas is like, shoot, Magic and Bird gave me more of a fit than Michael. Like you know what I'm saying? Like Michael beat us one year. Like he don't have that same respect for Michael Jordan. So I understand where both of those guys are coming from. When you look at the scale, the grand scheme of their careers and what they've been able to accomplish. You, you can't take that away from either of those guys. But as a competitor, I understand holding his weight, holding those guys, holding their own weight. Ryan, you, you brought up Kevin Garnett, um, your former Celtics teammate. Um, and you, you talked about Paul Pierce. And I, your buddy, Tidra Perkins, said this to me on Snoopy Radio podcast last week. Um, I asked him who Anthony Davis reminded him of. I asked Mother World Peace this last year. Mother World Peace said that he sees a similarity, excuse me, between Kyle Gasol and Anthony Davis. Kendrick said he respectfully disagreed, and he said there's no limitation on their game. And he said he spoke about Garnett. He said that, that Anthony Davis reminded him of Kevin Garnett. He said there's no limitation on their game, really. Offensively, they both can shoot the three. They both have close moves. AD could push the rock. AD could push the rock. But AD is one, one of one man. He's a generational talent. Um, do you see the comparisons between uh, Kevin Garnett and Anthony Davis? Scoop, you can you can timestamp me on that. Um, 
go back when he first came to LA. I did LA radio, and that's the that's the comparison I gave. He he's not the leader that that Kevin is. No nowhere near. He's not the leader. Um, but in terms of a guy, how do I put this the right way? He, they can do it. They can do everything, and they're the perfect complement. They can do everything. They're the perfect complement. They're the they're the front court versions of Scottie Pippen. You feel what I'm saying? It, and it was intriguing when I even think of and, and maybe Scoop, maybe this is another another list of the best all around players. When I think of the best all around players ever, I would go LeBron James, and number two, I go Kevin Garnett, and, and three, I possibly throw you know Pippen and and, and and AD in there. He's in that Scottie Pippen role. Box shots, rebounds, runs the floor. He shoots threes now. Um, he'll he'll he can pass. Does just about everything. In terms of Kevin Garnett, Kevin Garnett, better player, better phenom at a younger age. That, like there was nothing, there was nothing like it. He revolutionized the game of basketball. I remember thinking like, yo, has a big guy who's legitimately starting at small forward in the NBA. I've never, I've never seen that. Joe Smith was the four, and he was he was the he was the three, and I forget. Uh, big fella, Irvin Johnson was the five, or someone else. I forget who it was, mm-hmm. but. AD definitely is the closest thing we have to Kevin Garnett basketball wise. Leadership wise, I don't I don't think there's anything like KG. He's he's one of he's one of one leadership wise. We won't we it'll be a while before we see stuff. He's the he's the realest. It's 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 not even comparable what he does behind the scenes. But as far as on the court, oh absolutely brother. You play for the Clippers. You play for the Clippers, the Clippers and the Lakers ever talk about like um, does your opinion, if the season does resume, uh, who could become an NBA champion, change based upon the level of rest um, that players on both the Lakers and the Clippers have gotten throughout the pandemic? If the season were to resume, uh, what does your brothers tell you as far as you know, who could potentially win between those two LA teams? It, it actually does change. And Scoop, you heard me you know, say this on a number of platforms that I, I, I was like, this is the Clippers' year to win. They have enough bodies to throw at LeBron James. Uh, Kawhi Leonard, you know, is the baddest man on the planet. And Paul George. And shoot, if that's not working, you got Lou Williams. You got three legit playmakers who can give you something down the stretch. And then Doc Rivers, who's really good at just making things work and make sense. Because any other coach would be like, well, who do I get the basketball to in the fourth quarter? And Doc would draw something where everybody's going to go out and get theirs. But mm-hmm. when I look at COVID-19, and sitting off in time, and keep in mind, because I played 10 years in the league, I, I understand what it's like to be a veteran. I'm going to favor experience. Now I got to look at the guy who played in nine NBA finals. Now I got to look at the guy who has an experienced team around him. So from even a leadership aspect, it's about how do you lead the troops? How do you prepare your body? I got to look at the guy who's obsessive about the training room and his cardio, his nutrition, his LeBron, you can speak to D-Wade, you can speak to Kendrick Perkins, you can speak to any any of these guys who play with Anthony Davis, who play with LeBron James, he's taught you something about your body. He's taken it to another level. So he's the guy in COVID-19 where I'm going, well, damn, he's he's still in peak shape. He's going to be just fine. You know, he's going to have to be, get used to banging and hitting a little bit, but he's going to be absolutely fine. It's going to run down to experience. And I give that edge now to LeBron James. Hmm. Follow-up question. Um, when you look 
at the Los Angeles Lakers um, and the, the makeup of the team. They added Deion Raiders. They added uh, one of the Morris Sims, Marquise, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, they added, you know, they, this pass off season, they added Anthony Davis. Um, I guess um, Sher Daniels told me before he was cut that they were the winningest underdog um, out there right now. Uh, when you look at the Lakers, do you consider them still an underdog? I don't, uh, because LeBron James came out and showed you that he's the best player on the planet. You know, he 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 woke, he woke up because it was Kawhi Leonard. First two times, two times that they played, Kawhi Leonard showed up and he was the top dog in those games. LeBron James couldn't get his shot off. Giannis Antetokounmpo at, at, at his house, he routed uh, the Lakers. So LeBron James coming forth and showing you that I'm the best player on the planet. There's a lot of people looking and favoring the Lakers now. LeBron showed you a different a different side of himself, and I never counted LeBron James out, but I go, well, hey, LeBron, if Kawhi can guard you and Paul can guard you and Marcus Morris can guard you or Marquise, I forget which one is on. Well, they're, well, they're both one of the twins, all right? They might cancel, and then Montrez can guard you in certain situations. LeBron, how are you going to get your shot off? How are you going to figure this out? So he kind of weave this way through figuring out how to be effective against Milwaukee, how to be effective uh, against the against the Clippers. And I, I think LeBron may have cracked that code. But th- keep in mind, if LeBron doesn't play well, like like well, well, like like 30 points, 15 mm. assists, eight rebounds, triple-double well every single game of the series, Lakers don't have a smoking chance. Few more questions. We're almost hitting at an hour mark on the podcast. Jason Kidd uh, was just reported at the time of this recording that the uh, Knicks have requested permission uh, to interview uh, Jason Kidd, potentially the one of the candidates uh, that could be a head coach, uh, Jason Kidd, as well as uh, uh, Kitty Atkinson, former Nets coach, as well as um, Tom Tittle, uh former Bulls and Timberwolves head coach. Um, have all been, you know, in the mix in the pot of Jambalaya uh, who could potentially become the coach. Um, if you had your pick, um, who would you pick as the next head coach in the New York Knicks? Man, if I'm the New York Knicks, uh, I would go Jason Kidd. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and I'm surprised that Mark Jackson isn't in the mix, being that he's the Knicks, being it's that he's radio. one of the greatest at player development. Uh, being of, of of his track record, that like that blows my mind that Mark's not in the mix there. Um, but let me let me go Jason Kidd because as we as we break things down, for one, you you I, I would hope we're hiring African American head coaches in the NBA um, in the midst of today's climate. Um, and beyond that, look at who he built from scratch, Giannis Antetokounmpo. However you want to look at it, Jason Kidd took Giannis. He, I, I remember sitting down with Jay Kidd because I played with a good friend of mine. And I said, Jay, how how's this gonna work? How's this gonna work out? You know, wh- wh- what are you doing, Giannis? He said, I'm starting at point guard tonight, and then he's gonna guard you. I was jumping center that game. He said he's gonna start at point guard, then he's gonna guard you. He's gonna bring the ball up, and I'm gonna develop this kid. I'm gonna, I'm gonna put him in situations to be successful. And I watched him grow Giannis into. The Greek freak. Giannis turns into the Greek freak. He didn't come in with that name. He earned that name in, in Superman, whatever you want to call him. But Jason Kidd absolutely helped him to be different. And if you're looking at the Knicks and you want to track free agents, and if you get a young stud like a you know R.J. Barrett and you want to develop that talent, 
I would definitely lean towards Jason Kidd. Wow. And then if you look, look, and in school, if you bring it in another superstar, I was just with LeBron James. So, you know, those other stars want to go, man, what is LeBron James like? What does he do? You know, he's got an excellent relationship there. You said a mouthful. Last question, the Brooklyn Nets. Um, Kyrie Irving and KD, uh, assuming they're healthy next season, um, you know, some have said them as potentially being a preseason uh, NBA Finals appearance. Um, my question to you is, do you think um, it will be an adjustment period for those two guys when they begin their season next season? I'm so concerned with how that's going to work out. I want to see from how those guys, how their mindset comes in and works. I want to see who the Brooklyn Nets hire as a coach. If it's not Tyron Lue, I'm very, very concerned. Same time, I was concerned with Frank Vogel. But Frank Vogel got LeBron to buy in and take defense. I never remember LeBron James taking the charge unless he was just accidentally in your way. You know what I'm saying? So I'm concerned with who they bring in as a coach and those guys from a mental aspect. You know, when I look at their games, they don't fit. KD's one of the greatest scorers we've ever seen of all time. Kyrie, one of the more talented players we've ever seen. They both had success. but Their games don't quite fit together. How are they going to fit together are the biggest questions. When the media stirs up and can't wait to catch KD on the internet or, or have Kyrie saying something in a post game, like, how are they going to fit? Are they going to alienate the rest of the team? Or are they going to embrace the guys around them? Are they going to bring in a locker room full of veterans? I am so intrigued with how that's going to work out because Brooklyn was in a really good spot and now it's nothing but media and, and, and kind of turmoil there. But I don't blame, blame Brooklyn for going after it. Hmm. Well, here's the good news, Seth. You're off the high seat. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> I appreciate you coming in. This has been a long time coming. I've been paying attention to what you've been doing with Joe Brown for a while. That's my dude. He gave me a, a look years ago at Sirius XM. I see what you've been doing with the big three and my buddy Oliver. We know you two people. I'm glad you're able to connect with that to make this happen. No, nah, bless you, brother. No, nah, I appreciate your work, man. And I, I know what it's like uh, behind the scenes. So, you know, any, anything I can ever do, man, to help out, man. And, you know, look, man, ain't no, ain't no hot seat over here, man. I embrace it. <laughs> <laughs> my brother, enjoy your day. And uh, for those listening, you've got a lot of stuff that's going to go by when you hear it. Talk to you soon, man. <laughs> All right, brother. This is Scooby Radio saying, you bring the coffee and I'll bring the Duncan. Kaboom! 
Hello, this is Danny Pellegrino, host of the Everything Iconic podcast, and I'm here to tell you all about Splash Refresher, because hydration is mandatory, but boring is not. Now, I love my water, but if I don't spice it up, I'm not going to finish what I took out of the fridge. That's why I love my Splash Refresher, which is flavorful, delicious, bright, hydrating, and zero calories. The wild berry flavor is my fave. No, wait, is the pineapple mango flavor my fave? You know what? All five craveable Splash Refresher flavors are my fave because they're so delicious. So get hydrated and enjoy it with Splash Refresher. Hey, folks, I'm Mark Marin from the WTF Podcast, and this episode is brought to you by Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues, your ally to help tackle your allergy symptoms this season. I love the change of seasons, but nobody loves pollen and all those other things floating in the air that make you sneeze during this nice weather. Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues are hypoallergenic and allergist approved. So fight back against watery eyes and runny noses without worrying about irritating your skin. For this allergy season, grab Kleenex and face allergies head on.